There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Gabby. And I'm Emma. And we've both been trying for a baby for a really long time, and neither of us is currently pregnant. about this one because um we had a guest yeah as well a guest in the studio in the studio aka yeah. emma's flat yeah yeah which is where we're sitting right now too so this week or actually it was earlier in august that we spoke to cat Storbridge, otherwise known as at trying years on instagram i mean we'll give her a bit of an intro or we did give her a bit of an intro when we met her, but, you know, she is, I would say, a pioneer of hashtag TTC Instagram. She's one of the leading infertility influencers, I would say. Hashtag influencer. Try saying infertility influencer when you're drunk. <laughs> Am I drunk now? <laughs> uh, thanks again for all your messages following episode two, guys. It's always great to hear how our mumblings are being received. Yeah, we do. We absolutely love hearing from you. So please give us a shout. Um, we'll tell you again. Our Instagram is at Big Fat Negative, and so is our Twitter. Yes, yes, yes. And as always, you can email us at bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you've got any feedback, if you've got any thoughts, if the sound is too quiet. Hopefully it isn't this time. Have you got any weird myths you want us to debunk? Yeah. Come on, give us the weird ones. Oh, we got a good one last time. We got a good one from Kat, didn't we? Oh, we did. Oh, Oh, yeah. That one will be coming up soon, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we'll... We'll get Tim on that. Watch this space. Yeah, so we spoke to Kat and Gabby, you spoke to Professor Tim. I did, our resident myth debunker. Um, so Professor Tim Child, who is medical director at Oxford Fertility, and I asked him about whether or not eating pineapple during the IVF process helps you to conceive, which, for those of you that don't know, the pineapple has become an unofficial symbol for infertility and it's often something that people use on social media. People wear pins, badges. Emma's got a lilo. I do have a lilo. It's really great. <laughs> so we asked Professor Tim Child whether or not um, eating pineapple actually does help or whether it's just a delicious treat. And before we go, just one more thing, which is please tell your friends about the podcast. And uh-huh. if you like it, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, please. it helps other people to find it. That's the one. Cool. Enjoy the show. Bye, guys. Bye. I think we should start the 
podcast with a bit of an update. It's been an interesting week, hasn't it, Emma? Yes. So where do I start, really, this week? It's been, I think, what people describe as a shitter. Oh, a real shitter. A real shitter. Um, so I... I had been waiting to ovulate so that I could do my second frozen embryo transfer. My body, for the first time ever, as far as I know, and I've been testing uh, ovulation for a long time, just chose not to. Oh, it's just no big O. No big O. It got to, I think today is day 27 of my cycle. I still haven't had a surge, a hormone surge, I should say, for people who aren't completely familiar, which would have indicated ovulation. And that basically means my nurse, my nurse, the nurse phoned me the other day and just said, come on, it's, you know, it's not happening. Let's give Mm. up and go for another cycle. How long were you kind of waiting to find out? Because you kind of had an inkling, didn't you, that it was going to be cancelled, but was it? Yeah. So it it was a week, you know, I went in, when you're doing a natural cycle, like I was trying to do, which is one without drugs, um, you have a scan around day 11 or 12 of your cycle. Mm. Um, so I went in, had a scan. She was like, mm, lining's a little bit thin. Come back in a couple of days. So I went back in a couple of days and everything was looking gravy. We, I had a good lining. I had a big fat follicle that was just waiting to burst mm. um, in my ovary, which basically means I was about to ovulate. The nurse said, yeah, next couple of days. I was like, yeah, next couple of days. It'll be fine nothing happened so a few days later I went for another scan they couldn't decide whether I had already ovulated or not but they weren't very impressed with my lining oh Oh, exactly the bed wasn't made very well exactly so um I yeah I waited another few days went for another scan nothing had really progressed Mm. So they did a blood test because you can kind of tell where you are in your cycle based on that. And again, this is where like NHS lack of information comes in. So I just got a phone call from the nurse going, yeah, it wasn't great. And like I could have done with, oh, well, you did have progesterone in your blood, which would suggest that I had ovulated and therefore was moving towards my period. Um, But they just said, oh, well, No, it's a no. Yeah. It's a no for the O. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so they said, oh, let's do a medicated cycle next month. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, Because it's been over six months since I did my last cycle, Mm. I kind of forgot that a medicated transfer cycle is two months long. Oh, okay. Because what they do is, first of all, they put you on the pill so that they know exactly where you are in your cycle. Okay. Then you start, sn- well, with my clinic, you start sniffing bucerolin or a, a certain, or I think it's just with me. I start sniffing bucerolin at day 21 of my cycle. And then you do that all the way up until you go through your period. Mm. You start um, putting progesterone pessaries in, which is a very unpleasant part Lovely. of the whole situation. Um, and then... As your cycle progresses, that that's when they decide when to transfer the embryo. I'd forgotten that. I was kind of under the impression it'd be another three-week wait, not another, like, who knows how many week le- wait. Yeah. So I had a crisis oh, no. earlier, um, or yesterday, um, 
phoned the clinic, like basically cried at the very patient and very kind nurse. Mm. Um, tried, I think the, the in the stages of grief, I got to the bargaining point. <laughs> um, one of the most important stages, right? Yeah, exactly. You start getting shit done. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got acceptance now, but I'm not sure what. So, yeah, just... Oh. It's just another two months, two, really frustrating two and a half, time. maybe. Do you mind if I ask? Um, so I, I'm, I'm guessing that the reason that you need to ovulate before they transfer the embryo is to kind of simulate a normal kind of embryo's journey so yeah. that once it's ovulated, that's when it would normally be fertilised. So that's when it makes sense to yeah. transfer. Is that the case? So it's your body gets ready to be pregnant every single month right right? so it you know you ovulate or you have your period Mm. your body builds up a womb lining after that then you ovulate and then your your body releases hormones including progesterone that basically say i'm ready for you embryo come Come on in Mm -hmm. come on down so usually that obviously the um egg and sperm would have met in your fallopian tubes Mm -hmm. and they would then descend from the tube and then you'd have an embryo in your womb right um in my case it's going to get shoved up there on the end of a catheter oh very romantic so nice (laughs) um so yeah so then i basically had a massive freak out um Got into a panic and decided I'm booking a holiday because I haven't been on holiday since um, the beginning of last year, middle oh, of last definitely year. Definitely deserve a holiday. Thanks, mate. Um, so I booked a like last minute holiday mm. um, to Greece to look out over the sea, and it's cost me approximately ten million pounds. Oh no! Don't book last minute holidays. It's oh, a no. terrible idea. <laughs> My EasyJet flight is going to be so embittering because it's so expensive but at least we get a week off yeah and also i was looking for lilos and i found one that was shaped like a pineapple no yeah so i just bought it amazing yeah so i'm gonna be floating around a giant pineapple yeah so i'm taking ivy off on holiday with me essentially in your heart in my heart keeping you afloat yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly so that's been my shitty week and it means potentially another two and a half month wait so that's fun maybe more than two and a half months because who knows how long this cycle is going to go on for gabs how's your week been because it's been fairly shitty too right yeah it's been um you know if you look on the bright side it's been quite interesting lots of uh lots of new chapters but um also quite frustrating um so last time we spoke um, I was waiting for the results. I was. God, <laughs> me, me, me. Yeah. We, me, my husband, waiting for the results of his semen analysis, which, as people who've listened to the episodes before this will know that it's kind of what we were thinking might be the problem because he had mumps in his early 20s, but we hadn't had that confirmed yet. And um, actually, after I left the recording of the previous podcast, um, I spoke to my husband and he had had a call from the doctor who delivered um, the results, which weren't great. Um, basically, his... So when they do a semen analysis, they generally test a number of things. So you've got your sperm count, you've got your sperm motility, which is how well they're moving around, and you've got your sperm morphology, which is how they are shaped, how normal they are. God, oh. I hate that word. <laughs> um, and basically, uh, Mr. Gabby's morphology is 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 pretty bad 
um, it's 1%, which, I mean, that sounds really awful. Like, that's worse than a fail. (laughs) But um, actually, looking into it, um, they class a normal morphology at 3%. Okay. So 1% isn't, like, the worst in the world. Yeah. But it also... It means best. that no, it, it means that our chances of conceiving naturally have just gone through the floor. So basically. what did the doctor say? So the doctor delivered the the percentages um and then said, I've seen worse which I'm not sure how helpful that is, to be honest. Yeah. You've seen worse in what? Someone that's gone on to conceive naturally and had loads of kids? Or you've seen worse in someone that's still living their lives and walking around but can't have any kids like uh, I, you know it's just a yeah there's no context with that comment Seen worse in people who are dead exactly exactly um so we were kind of came away from that discussion a bit um unsure what it meant and basically um she just said that the next steps were for um mr gabby to have another test because um, they like to do, to do two because sometimes it can vary from from um, specimen to specimen. Um, so that will happen likely next month. And then we'll be referred to a specialist urologist who will try, I, I believe, to um, improve improve the, the, the results, I guess. Um, so it's kind of, it's all a bit, bit woolly. And so obviously... I spent the the following few days just just googling because that's all I could do, and um, and yeah, you kind of just read everything from you know we had one percent morphology and we've gone on to have two na- kids naturally, and then you get someone who's saying oh you know it's um, low morphology is um, related to high increases of miscarriage things like that, which is always a scary oh, thing to God. hear. And actually, if anyone's listening to this, don't take this as fact, because as I say, this was very much just me on Google. Yeah, Dr. Google. Exactly. Um, messing you with your mind. I know. So, so yeah, I mean, but a lot of people were saying that you it kind of means that you need to probably have IVF. So that was kind of on our minds. Um, and then, so um, the results were left at the desk of the doctors. So I had to kind of go in there and, and grab them. And once I had them in front of me and I had the actual percentages there, um, I I rang Fertility Network. Okay. Yeah, so a friend of mine had this idea. I would never have thought of it, to be honest, but she works for a charity and she obviously is aware that if you're in this kind of situation, there's, there's almost certainly going to be a charity there that will talk yeah. to you and hopefully give you some useful advice um, or at least some information. Um, so, so yeah, once I had the results, um, I rang the fertility network and spoke to a really lovely woman who was very calming and reassuring, but, but basically said that likelihood is that we will have to have IVF and a specific type of IVF called ICSI. So that stands for intracytoplasmic sperm injection that's a big word isn't it gosh uh so what that really means is that um they take the sperm and inject it directly into the egg because for whatever reason the sperm can't get in there itself and when you have poor morphology um the it means that the sperm is misshaped in some way which means that it's not optimized for getting into the egg okay so there might be loads of of sperms just head headbutting the egg and getting absolutely nowhere that reminds me of that homer simpson right thing so the egg is just like absolutely no way mate you're not coming in here 
<laughs> so ICSI basically means that we will um, isolate some of the the goodies in the in the group in the boy band and inject them directly or sorry inject one directly into the egg which will hopefully then turn into an embryo so the Justin Timberlakes of the NSYNC that is exactly Mr Gabby's yeah the best looking ones with the best singing voice they're going to go in it's gonna be like an x factor to to choose the ones that we want so I I mean I have now been at this for two years Mm -hmm. um but I don't think I understand that much about the different types of IVF but ICSI is you know when you see kind of tv pictures of a big syringe injecting a sperm into an egg exactly exactly it's that one um and I think that I think that you know if you were you were just taking what's on television um you would probably think that all IVF involves that because that's Mm. what you always see but as far as I know you normally you would have the egg in a petri dish with all the sperms and then and then one of them would just naturally one of them would do the do I always think of it as like a big cocktail shaker oh yeah like they just do a bit of cocktail shaking and then yeah we got an embryo yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah whereas mine's gonna be way more clinical yeah Yeah. it's just like exactly exactly um but uh, I hasten to add, obviously, this was uh, the lady that I was speaking to at Fertility Network, and I, we still have not spoken to any doctor or fertility experts. So, um, to, you know, we could still be in the dark, basically, but but she has shed a bit of light. And I think, to be honest, it's prepared us for, for, what, for what might be, because I think we were still, having Googled it for so long, still holding on to the idea that we might be able to conceive naturally, but I think that's off the table now. I mean, the the thing is that as you go on, you'll speak to people and you'll go, oh, I'm doing IVF. And some, everybody will go, oh, I had a friend who was doing IVF. And then just two weeks before she was due to start, she just got pregnant naturally. Oh, mate. It's because she wasn't thinking about it, isn't it? She was probably just really relaxed. Oh, I bet she wasn't though, right? Oh, God. It's, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, who knows if it could actually happen or not. I, I sincerely doubt it. Yeah. The hammerhead sperms aren't getting in there. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, Mr. Gabby uh, is obviously, you know, it was a hard thing for him to hear. And, um, you know, I'm sure he'd be fine. We've been talking about our options today and kind of making light of it and, and seeing the as many of the positive sides as possible. Um, but uh, while that's been going on, so I went to the doctors to collect his results. And at the same time, had myself a little smear. Ooh. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> because sorry if this is TMI, but um, I, I don't think there's TMI in this. Not probably We're not in a safe right space. <laughs> so I have been experiencing what I thought every month for the last six months was implantation bleeding, getting excited about it, and then obviously being disappointed when my period came. So it got to the point where I was like, okay, well if this is an um, implantation bleeding, what is what is it? Um, so. I had a smear last year and it was fine, but I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and do another one just in case. Um, so I went for a smear and uh, told the nurse my symptoms and she basically recommended that I go and see a doctor and that perhaps I might want to have a scan to see if there are any polyps in my... Oh, I love that word. Isn't that just the most awful polyps. word? Polyps. Polyps. Give me polyps. Do you think they're moist <laughs> polyps? I don't know. Oh, no. Um... <laughs> But that might be what's causing the kind of 
bleeding before my period who knows and I don't know if that will have any effect on my fertility um and if that will play a part in the story as we go towards IVF we are yet to find out but that's kind of that's like the subplot to the (laughs) sperm plot there's the sperm plot and there's the smear plot which is great I do think that people going through fertility treatment probably find out stuff about themselves that normal people don't find out about themselves so you could have this and if you try for a baby you just just get pregnant and then you'd have a baby and Mm. then you and you'd be like oh i bleed every now and then and you wouldn't worry about it but because all you're thinking about is what's going on in your lady region Mm -hmm. um it means that you're going to have investigations that other people wouldn't normally have. yeah you're just hyper aware yeah and obviously you know i was getting excited every month and then i was like wait a second it's not every month what is it (laughs) so yeah so we've got that investigation going on at the same time which is um you know oh it's all right isn't it yeah it's fine it'll be okay um i guess you know what i'm most worried about actually and this is gonna sound sad but i'm worried about telling my mom i think she's gonna be i think she's gonna be gutted and not because you know of any other reason other than i think she'll be worried for me and she'll be kind of I don't think she knows much about IVF so I think she'll be quite um she just won't know what's coming so I'm kind of worried about that conversation which I haven't had yet mum's so my mum um had me when she was like 24 or 25 Mm. um and she had you know then she had my sister then she had my brother and she'd always said to me before we started trying for a baby don't worry darling our family is really fertile famous last words (laughs) hi mum if you're listening um oh, i hope i haven't um spoiler alert for my mom if she's listening i need to have that conversation quickly <laughs> but as time has gone on and as she's learned more about ivf and she's come to a couple of my appointments with me oh that's she good. has been absolutely incredible and so yeah. supportive and so kind yeah i think one of the hardest things might might just be kind of not understanding ivf and not having mm. any idea about it and i think i'm Weirdly, I started listening to um, another podcast about IVF. Another podcast about IVF? I know, I know. It's such a traitor. This is pre, pre-BFN. Um, and called Matt and Dory's Excellent, Excellent Adventure. Don't listen to it. Oh, it's Only great. listen to ours. It's really good. You should listen to it. Um, I've, I've been listening to that for the last three months without knowing that I was going to end up um, doing IVF myself. And because I have, I understand the process, I believe, a lot better. I understand what might be coming my way and kind of discussing how how people deal with the emotions. So actually, my my crazy podcast choices have, have kind of paid paid off. It's been good. Do you, I mean, it's weird at the beginning of your of when you start doing IVF, because when you're talking to friends and family, once you've been referred for IVF, that's mm. when they start taking you seriously. Yeah. So you'll probably find they are they do stop telling you to relax. Yeah. Um, or that's what I found. But a lot of people, including myself, when I, you know, before I got into it, see it as a kind of quick fix solution. Yeah. Um, just like we see, you know, the pill stops you from getting pregnant. Mm. So IVF will get you pregnant. And... So people, science do it. Yeah, exactly. So I, people are very kind of, oh, you're doing IVF. Well, cool. You'll be pregnant soon. And I don't think they realise quite how difficult an emotional journey. Mm. Oh, it's got to stop saying journey. How difficult mm. an emotional thing, much better word. Process. Process. Yeah. It is. Um, so I think you need to prepare yourself yeah. for that. 
I think, yeah, that's also been a good reason that I've been listening to it. And also, obviously, speaking to you. Mm. So I kind of, I, you know, obviously I, I'm not completely prepared for what's coming, but I feel like I'm better prepared than someone might be otherwise. I feel like you're, that you stop having the cycle of grief every month, which mm. is horrible because you get over it and then you're under it again. Yeah. You get over it and it happens again. On the other hand, I felt the grief much more deeply. I imagine so. Because you spend months and months and months working up to something and then it doesn't work. And you're just yeah. like, fuck. But cabs, it might happen first time. You never know. It might do. It might do. But you've got to be careful, haven't you? I remember um, when we were trying, you know, for the last six months, you come up with kind of, you, you if you're on holiday, you're like, oh, it'd be great if we got pregnant this time. Because, you know, we're all loved up yeah. and we can call our baby some cute name to do with this yeah. holiday. Like when I was in Japan, I was like, oh, if we get pregnant now, I can give my baby a cool Japanese name this is brilliant and then you build it up and you and you've worked out that it's the birthday and all that stuff and it's just it's so disappointing so I can imagine if you're doing IVF and you know all signs point to it's going to work and it doesn't it you know that's obviously going to be very difficult to take yeah I worked out the due date of my um first embryo transfer 9th of September and on the 9th of September I'm gonna cry I can tell you that now yeah I might be pregnant by then Let's stay positive. Okay. You could be. So could I. Doubt it. The speed of speed of IVF. <laughs> hey, let's hold on to something positive. <laughs> right. So, joining us in the studio, aka my flat with my clean washing on show. Uh, today we have the inimitable Cat Strawbridge, aka at Trying Years on Instagram, and I feel like you are the queen of social media IVF. You're a linchpin of the lynch- TTC community. I'm. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, she regularly hosts Instagram live sessions, which we've been too scared to do so far, mm. and starts conversations about some of the biggest issues and infertility in IVF. From dealing with your friends to last night you were talking about being a single mum. Solo mum, yep. yeah. Yeah, but there's so much more than that because she also works for the Fertility Network, which of course is the charity that helped shed some light on my situation. She's basically an all-round support superstar. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, no, you're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. So, Kat, um, let's start a little bit with your kind of, your your journey. Mm-hmm. How has your journey been? It's been long. Mm-hmm. It's been trying. Um, it is currently in waiting for IVF round four. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been trying to conceive for six years. So just okay. after we got married. So mm-hmm. pretty much our entire married life, which I don't think is unusual. I think there's a lot no. of us out there. Same, same. <laughs> yep. Um, and we tried naturally, obviously went to the doctor, um, might have said that we had been trying a touch longer than we had because we had a few friends who had been going through it. Mm. Um, only a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> to any GPs out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and eventually got referred had the first round, got pregnant, miscarried, had two frozen rounds um, the following summer. So that was at Christmas, was the mm. first miscarriage. Um, the frozen didn't work. Then had another fresh round of IVF. Found out that I miscarried on exactly the same day the following mm. year. Oh. So the 23rd oh. of December. So Christmas was... I'm so sorry. Thank you. It was, uh, yeah, Christmas... Is sort of still written off a little bit in our house, yeah. I've got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we took a break because we were just at rock bottom, mm, okay. to be honest. Yeah, it was awful. And we couldn't face doing a lot. We, I wasn't working. I'd left work at that point. Right. Um, my husband had changed jobs, which hadn't worked out for various reasons. So we were both unemployed. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty shocking time. Um, but... Two years on, you know, we're yeah. back at work and everything, like, much happier than we were then. Mm-hmm. You you become a different person, I think. You know, I yeah. wouldn't say that I'm back to who I was. You know, I think you do become a different person and, and that's fine, really. Yeah. That time when you um, you were both unemployed, was it? do you think it was good that you had time to kind of decide what you wanted to do next and just take some stock? I think it was needed, mm. actually. I don't think we really had a choice you know I do sometimes wonder because you know so many people work through this and I do think because I consider us both really strong you know confident mm-hmm. you know we're workers we're you know, and I think how have we you know how comes we're the people that both found ourselves unemployed and like I say some of it was just circumstance that was beyond our control um and yeah I don't know yeah so it wasn't really a choice was it good in a way, yeah, it took the pressure off. We were lucky we had savings. So we both ended up getting part-time work okay. without any real pressure, to be yeah. honest. It was more fun, I guess, but we needed to bring some money in. Yeah. Um, so it just gave us a bit of stock, time to, yeah, take stock, really, and inspired a kind of new bit of work for me around confidence and styling and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not doing a lot of at the moment because I'm just too damn busy. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> I love doing that because you can just see, you know, the difference that it makes. So when did you start your Instagram account? And did you, I mean, obviously your Instagram name suggests that you did it just for, to kind of focus on IVF stuff. But what was your motivation? So I wrote a blog, I during my second round of IVF, I wrote a blog called Trying Years, okay. um, 
just because lots of people had said to me, you know, why don't you try writing it down, how you're feeling? Because I was always really open, not necessarily at work, but with my friends and family, always really open about it. Um, so I did write a blog. I, I looked over it recently, actually, and it's so interesting to co- sort of see it. You know, it's out there. Um, but I only did about six or seven posts at the time and then left it. It did. It served its purpose mm. and that was fine. Um, and then I went on to Instagram for my TTC account last November, it was. Okay. So I had a Cat Strawbridge one, which at the moment I've kind of wrapped up a little bit because I just spend so much time on trying years. <laughs> I just <laughs> haven't got, I know, I haven't got time to like manage that one as well. And people follow me on there and I'm like, they're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I about you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just, I put that to private now. Um, so, yeah, so trying years. It just started as, you know, I was working for the Fertility Network at the time, just on a contract, um, and I found out about it and joined it and, like, loved it. It just became, I don't know, somewhere that I really enjoyed being, somewhere that I really felt myself, really, you know, I guess. And bearing in mind, I'm someone who tells everyone, like, literally everyone about it, and I was working for the Fertility Network, and I still felt comforted by being able to be myself on Instagram. So for people who don't tell anyone, mm. yeah. I would imagine that having that place is just the biggest outlet, you know? Um, yeah, all the mean thoughts you have. Yeah, exactly. And can't yeah. necessarily share with your babied up friends. Yes, yes, that's, that's true. Yeah. Well, I, I had no idea that, that that was even out there. Obviously, I've been using Instagram personally for a long time. And then I kind of bit by bit, I spotted that Emma was following a few people, including yourself, who seemed like they might have been going through similar things. And then it just opened up this whole, I was like, wow, this is incredible. And this, everyone knows each other. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what stage everyone's at and jumps in to, you know, give messages of support. It's really, it's a really powerful thing, I think. So do you, do you feel like since you got involved, do you feel like the community itself has built up? I would say so, definitely. I think that there are a lot of people who have been doing a lot of work on fertility um, and getting people to talk about it for a long time. Mm. I just feel like this year it's really starting to kind of crescendo. Mm. I really feel like that's, you know, that it's it's coming together and there's a lot of meetups, um, that events are starting and... People, like you say, yeah, they do know each other and they do meet up kind of in person, in little groups, in bigger groups. Um, so everyone, yeah, really is starting to know each other. And I've, I've never been in a situation, not in such a way where I had, you know, meetings with people IRL, IRL. you know? <laughs> Like this one right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I was in a clinic the other day and someone was like, cat. And I was like, mm, I don't know who you are. <laughs> but it was someone that I'd been chatting away, but her, you know, profile isn't TTC. Uh-huh. Uh, but we had been chatting and she kind of comes in on the um, Insta Lives and that kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, so I knew exactly who she was once she told me who she yeah. was. And, yeah, it was great. So I love that. You're literally Insta-famous. Oh, my God, do not say oh, that. That's ridiculous. You <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one there, shall we? So, uh, you know, if there are those people out there who are kind of sitting and they haven't felt able to share what they're going through with other people or with their friends and family, what would your kind of advice be to them to to get started on Instagram? Or at least in the in the TTC community. So if they if they haven't got a profile, obviously set one up and you can set one up privately. You know, mm. you don't have to let 
anyone else see it. A lot of people I see in their profiles say TTC accounts only, so they're not going to be approached by, well, they might be, but, you know, it's legitimately fine to yeah. not accept, you know, invitations from people um, or requests rather, I guess. And start searching on the hashtags TTC, TTC community. I always use them. I always use fertility, fertility treatment. Mm. Um, and start just, yeah, just start having a look at what people are doing. You don't have to engage. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do anything. And last night on the Insta Live, um, and I actually recently a lot, I'm getting messages from people who are saying, I'm kind of lurking in the background, but I really like it. But I, I haven't said anything yet. And it's like, that's totally fine. Like, it is here for you to do with what you will. Um, get as involved as you want to. It's it's totally up to you. But I do think that, you know, and I could name a handful of people, or more probably, that are always in the Insta Lives, that interact a lot, that, you know, take inspiration from them. They're amazing. Mm. You know, they really are. And so it, your time will come when you're ready yeah. And how have you found talking about TTC stuff in the in the in the real world? IRL. Yeah, IRL. 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 Um have you done much on talk shows or things like that where where you're kind of not no longer in the safe space of the TTC community so to speak? Well, you might have heard of Relaxgate. Yeah, that was I guess in a way that was a bit of a changing point actually, I think right. because well, certainly for me, in my, um, I guess, understanding of readiness of the TTC community, if that makes sense. So, so what happened? So That's what happened? What... So uh, popular, apparently, ITV uh, breakfast show was having a section on IVF. It was off the back of, I believe, Chris Evans announcing that he was having IVF twins. Um, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And they asked for three people within the TTC community to go on and ask questions to Dr. Hillary. Um, they weren't having much luck. So myself and a couple of um, good friends of mine from Instagram went on and asked questions that essentially we knew the answers to. Like we are we were we are more informed than Dr. Hillary and clearly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> given his given his response. So Keely asked about asked about nutrition. And got a fairly, you know, it was an okay response, but yeah. fairly standard. Um, Kate asked about the long-term effects of the drugs, which, you know, he couldn't really give an answer to particularly. And I asked about the difference, um, what could I do differently this time to get a different result? Mm. Uh, bearing in mind, this was my fourth round. And he told me that I should relax, essentially. <sighs> which, you know, what was I going to do on air on a Skype call? But... The, the turning point for me was when I got off the call and um, turned my phone on and it just had gone wild. Like yeah. the TTC community just went mad. They were all standing up and wanting to be counted. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And like for the next 24 hours, it was mad. Messages from all over the world from people just can't believe it, can't believe it. And it, it really made me realise that people are ready to start talking yeah. you know each at their own pace but definitely they're ready yeah it shouldn't be a taboo should it it's, no. it's one of those things that when you're going through it it's so emotional and it really just helps to to have someone else to understand what you're going through mm. yeah i can't imagine bottling it up i haven't at all done that so. <laughs> <laughs> hi i'm emma 
Emma, I'm going through IVF. Has anyone not heard? Um. (laughs) (laughs) I think for some people it's nice. And I know for me and my working environment previously, I didn't want to bring it there because I liked having somewhere where I it wasn't you yeah. know everything I was doing mm, I liked yeah. having the distraction I understand that. Um, so I think there's different reasons that people don't talk about it but if you if you want to then I think you need to be able to or you know what we want is a world where you're able to talk about mm. it if you if you if you feel ready if you want to that's mm-hmm. that's what we want to kind of create what would you what how would you answer your own question oh that's interesting <laughs> how would I answer my own question so this, so I'm not a professional no so what my what I would say to someone who contacted me on my Instagram account, for example, is that they need to talk to their professionals. Mm. You know, it's all well and good. And Instagram is amazing. You know, clearly, I, I believe that. Mm. Um, but when it comes to our own personal stuff, use Instagram for emotional support. Use Instagram for inspiration about what to ask and what you might be doing but ask the people who know you and your situation the questions or, I guess, listen to the advice that they give you. You can ask anyone questions, mm. but I think the, the the advice that you want to listen to and pay attention to are your medical professionals, your nutritionist, your acupuncturist. acupuncturist? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not but, sure. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, because they know you and they know what you're going through. They know your situation. So... Do you ever kind of need a break from the Instagram side of things? And is there anything that you ever see that you're like, "Eh, I wish that didn't happen? Um, Right. So I wrote an article just the other day on surviving the socials. And what I realised when I was doing that is sometimes, well, if I go back, I and most people I know have come off Facebook during fertility treatment. Um, I've realised now, sometimes I go on Facebook for a break. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because essentially, and I say this genuinely laughing and genuinely with love, but the reason I came off Facebook was because I didn't want to see scam pictures. I didn't want to see, you know, people. And now that's a lot of my feed because I do tend to, where possible, follow people back if they follow me. It isn't always the case. But so there's a lot of, you know, scam pictures, bump pictures, that kind of thing. Um, And so, yeah, so sometimes, yeah, uh, you need a break. Definitely. My cat Strawbridge account is not TTC related as far as who I'm following. Mm. So I might have a go, uh, have a look on there. Kind of it's yeah. more fashion, mm-hmm. other bits and pieces. Um, yeah, you do need a break. And are you, if you've got an event coming up, you're saying? Yes. So I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, what is this kind of, kind of what's going to happen next? So on the 10th of September, um, you can check out the details on my Instagram and hopefully I will have rejigged my Cat Strawbridge website by the time this is out, although I make no promises because I'm just ridiculously busy. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to have an event in London on the 10th of September. Cool. Um, under the umbrella of the Every Story Matters. You know, and my, the whole thinking behind this is that we are all part of the TTC community mm-hmm. We are all experiencing different things. You know, everyone has shown how interested really they are in hearing other people's stories and hearing different points of views and sharing. And I think that's amazing because not only will it inform our own decisions if and when we might cross those bridges, you know, Mm. um, which we don't know whether or not we will. We don't know how far any of us are going to go at this stage. Um, But 
So it will help us inform our decisions because we'll understand more and know more. And it will also help us be advocates for everyone else within the community as well as ourselves you know for the people who are willing to talk about it and there is no pressure on anyone of course but it just means we'll understand like I didn't know a lot about mothering solo or about solo being a solo mum until I'd spoken to a friend of mine who was going through it um and then Jocelyn also you know but I I wouldn't know that I don't know Mm. that secondary infertility is something that I was talking to my husband last night and I you know hands up like a year ago, two, two, three, like five years ago, um, you know, I was just like, oh, stop, you've got yeah, a baby. You know, what are you talking one. about? Now, my, I completely have an entirely different view on it, you know, but that's only because I've heard people talk about it. Yeah. I've asked the questions. I've asked the awkward questions, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I, I think that everyone is keen to hear other people's experiences Absolutely. and other people's stories. So... So yeah, so every story matters. Cool, so we'll great. be there. Yeah. Right? Good, good. <laughs> um, before we let you go, Kat, I just wanted to talk to you a bit about the kind of style and confidence stuff that you do mm-hmm. because I, it it feeds so much into into all of this stuff. What got you going on it? And presumably, a lot of your clients are going through this as well. And um, what kind of advice do you find yourself giving them? So what got me going with it? So I have got, like, my degree is fashion, mm-hmm. uh, well, contour fashion design. So swimwear, corsetry, mm. bridal wear. Um, I worked in fashion for several years before I moved into charity. It started because, well, I've always been the person people want to shop with. Like, if they need mm. something, I will shop with them. I hate shopping for myself, ironically, but I like shopping for other people. Um that January, when I was miserable, oh, miserable just doesn't really cut it, mm. um... I got out of bed, I put on a pair of tracksuit bottoms and a jumper we had builders in our house. That was the only reason I got out of bed. I started to feel better. You know, it's about putting one step in front of the other. And I got a job, like just like I say, a part-time job. Once I got that, it started to build my confidence, get me out of the house. Then I felt like I could, I I decided to walk to the job as the summer, you know, spring came in. So I started losing a bit of weight because I'd put on like two stone Mm. through my treatment. I opened my wardrobe and what I say is you know my complete lack of identity I wasn't a mum I wasn't working in an office I'd moved to the countryside Mm. was just reflected back at me I didn't know who I was I really had no idea and like I say I I think we do change you know just age we change circumstance we change but I really didn't know who I was and so that was the start of it um and working in the bridal shop I have to say you put the right dress on someone and they absolutely light up, you know, and there's something about that. It's not about fashion. It's about putting on the right thing. And, you know, the right outfit is a very powerful tool. Absolutely. Yeah. So confidence. it is. So it's just, yeah, kind of working with people on that, just helping them feel comfortable in themselves, you know, and so that they do feel confident in themselves and other bits and pieces kind of alongside it so yeah it's really it's so rewarding I have to say mm. I love it and what are you finding with people who from our community what are you finding their kind of biggest issues are is it, is it the same is it that they feel like they've lost their identity yeah very much you know they're consumed by this so many say that they've put on weight you know and that's the hormones the drugs mm the binge drinking and eating when you get a negative you know it all (laughs) you know you're not allowed to exercise too hard you're not allowed to do this you're not allowed to do that you kind of give up and just think right I'm just gonna eat um so yeah the the weight is a big thing 
And then I guess because everyone else, it seems, is moving on around them and and you're not. And that's a really kind of, that knocks your self-esteem, that mm. you do feel like a failure. You're not, you know, this is not something that you can have any control over. But because you feel like you should, you know, you just, you lose your way, you lose your identity. You know, it is common, really common. Yeah. I always say it's like... um. Like when I try and explain it to people, I always say it's kind of like being you're a train and all your friends are trains and some of them are on the station before you and some of them are on the station after you and you're kind of stuck in a siding. Mm-hmm. Completely. Like, and racing past you. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. of them are racing past you and be like <laughs> 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 oh. I wish I'd bought a different ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kat, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. It's great to meet you, IRL. Really great to meet you too. And I look forward to seeing you on the 10th of September. Absolutely. We'll be there. And one of the things I didn't mention actually is that it is on a Monday. And the reason for that is that during the event, we are going to host an Insta Live. Oh my God. A live live. So, a live live, exactly. So, if you are there on the night, you will kind of be my side and we will be talking to everyone and anyone that can't make it um you know obviously because they live too far away rather than anything else um yeah so we'll have like a huge insta live live which is exciting so yeah see you there sounds fabulous definitely be there okay so we're moving on to our old wives tale debunking or or bunking Bunking. Can you bunk something? I think you can bunk. Yeah. So, Old Wives Tales, Facts or Fiction. This is looking at whether um, things you read on the internet are true. Oh, so many things you read on the internet. And this week, we're doing something IVF related. I think that's it. Makes sense, right? I've just found out I'll probably be doing IVF. You're doing IVF. You're not. So, we're going to do eating a pineapple. Now, pineapples are increasingly becoming a kind of symbol of infertility in IVF. I have a cute little pin from IVF Babble, which is like an infertility site. Yeah. Um, it's cool. I walk around wearing it and kind of hope someone will spot it one day and be like, ah, oh, infertility. I yeah. know you. We're it's like in- a secret symbol. It's like exactly. the Freemasons. It's like yeah. you're wearing a Freemasons watch or ring or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. The reason behind that being a symbol is because there's this whole rumour that if you eat pineapple before embryo transfer mm-hmm. um you will automatically get pregnant wow yeah wow it's great news if you like pineapple right i know i don't understand why my clinic didn't just tell me to eat all the pineapples i love to eat pineapple I i'm well too. up for that not on pizza though that is just wrong no, yeah well that, that's a whole other debate though <laughs> it's um, for a different podcast <laughs> <laughs> i am actually allergic to pineapple a little bit no you're not it makes my tongue itch oh no my no. body does not want to be pregnant. Oh, mate. Anyway. So we thought we'd turn to an expert for an answer. So resident expert, Professor Tim Child. And what did you ask him? I asked him whether pineapple could help with the embryo transfer for IVF. So this is a very interesting question. Um, mm-hmm. So pineapple contains uh, something called bromelain and it's BR. O-M-E-L-A-I-N, which mm-hmm. is uh, a substance which actually does have medical effects. So interestingly, there's quite a lot of research looking into the use of bromelain um, for 
for instance, um, helping wound healing, so people with burns and things like that, it actually is used medically. It's not they're putting slices of pineapple on their skin, but the bromelain from pineapples um, is actually can be used medically. Also, it can affect blood clotting, for instance, so people who are on various blood thinning agents need to be very careful or, or not to drink things like pineapple juice. The question is whether pineapples actually improve fertility. Again, if you actually start looking for anything published on this in basically any medical journal, I couldn't find anything at all. There was just nothing. So all you can find is um, people's opinions, really, on, on the Internet that may or may not be correct because, again, if the studies haven't been done, who knows if there's a beneficial effect or not. Um, in quite a few places, uh, people are suggesting that it, a certain number of slices of pineapple should be taken at certain times of the menstrual cycle, but not at other times of the menstrual cycle. And I, I can't see that that's actually based on, on anything at all, really. The thinking is that pineapple, because it does have, or because the bromelain within pineapple does have some blood thinning um, effects, I, I, I believe the thinking is that, well, maybe that helps you know, blood flow to the uterus or implantation in some way. But you know, it's not been shown that taking aspirin, for instance, which thins the blood and may help blood flow, that that makes any difference to implantation. So I'm not really sure how something such as pineapple could either. Thanks, Professor Tim. It's great to speak to you again. And no doubt we'll speak to you again soon. And that's our show, everyone. Thank you very much again for listening. Tune in next week to find out if Gabby suddenly miraculously gets pregnant. Who knows? Until next week. See you guys. Happy baby making. Love and baby dust. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.